that third failure in a row, did you think, I need to pack this in? Never. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Hey, it's Tristan Larson, host of the Progressing Humanity podcast. And in this episode, we are going to talk about managing employees like a billion-dollar company. Now, obviously, the most valuable aspect of a company is the team. Like Elon Musk says, all a company is is a group of people who come together to create a product. Fundamentally, that's what it is. And the quality of your team dictates the quality of the score on the board, metaphorically speaking. Now, when it comes to how you manage your team, there's so many different philosophies. And the first thing that I believe is it really depends on the type of company you have. The way you manage a team in a manufacturing-based company is not the same way you manage a team of developers. It's very different because a manufacturing company, for example, requires every little bit of this machine to run properly. Lots of manual work that humans have to do day in and day out. Lots of these different kind of robots and complexities and little pieces that really rely on the speed of uh, humans and the speed of machines and the speed of producing things, whereas a software is very different. It relies on your employees being relaxed, uh, thinking clearly, uh, avoiding mistakes, or quickly fixing mistakes, and making a more positive work environment because a developer's uh, results are very different from the results produced by a manufacturing line, and they should be uh, managed differently. So the first thing is to determine what type of uh, culture you should have based off of the type of company you have. And this is where when you're doing lots of learning and lots of studying, you can kind of develop your marketing strategy like you do or your your team management strategy, not marketing strategy. Uh, but you definitely do not manage a sales team the same way you manage your software development team as well. So that's the other thing you have to keep in mind. It doesn't just matter the industry. It also matters what position someone has on the team. So once you kind of lay that out, there are some fundamentals that are applicable to every position in every type of company. Now, the first thing is to make so you hire great people. And great people differs depending upon where you are in your phase as a company. So in Blitzscaling, Reed Hoffman's book, one thing they talk about is how you hire different team members for different stages of growth. So when you're at the very beginning, you'll hire a lot of generalists. When you get a little further along, you'll start to need to hire specialists who can do specific tasks. When you're at the beginning, you're going to have team members who do many different uh, tasks and when you get further along, you're going to eventually have team members doing, you know, maybe one or two tasks. So at the beginning, it's important to find people who are very entrepreneurial. You could call them entrepreneurs, people who would start their own business if they weren't working for a company and people who like being in a very fast moving, very unstructured environment who can deal with you constantly pivoting and adapt quickly and evolve and handle a lot of different things 
and kind of thrive in that complex environment. And of course, you would come up with questions in your interview uh, with this person to determine if they're the type of person who can handle that. Because I can tell you I've hired people on my team who cannot handle that and they go way too slow for your company and eventually you have to get rid of them for someone who can deal with a faster moving environment. That's the other thing too, you wanna hire people who are obsessed. When you're in a startup, you need people who are absolutely obsessed in love with your mission. And when you are constantly selling that mission and that mission is bigger than all the people on your team, then it will rally that type of person. So this is another interview question like, what motivates you? At this stage in your career, what are you looking for? Are you looking for something that's easy and comfortable? Are you looking for something that's a challenge that will get you up out of the bed in the morning, get your cortisol going, get you fired up, doing something bigger than yourself? Which one are you looking for? Because most people are looking for consistency and comfort and contentment, not looking for major challenges, lots of stress, uncertainty, that is purely a certain type of personality. Now, that is, that is uh, how you think about this when you're a startup. If you're a small business, you're probably looking for people who are more consistent if you have a restaurant or something like that. And if you have a big company, depending upon the position you're hiring for, you might be looking for someone who's consistent. So that's one principle to think about. The other thing that you want to do is create principles and then turn those principles into behaviors. Because the way that you scale a company, especially to you know, billions of dollars a year in revenue, is by getting people who do the right thing without someone constantly telling them what to do. And the way people decide what the right thing to do is, is by having certain principles within your company and turning those principles into behaviors that employees can follow and that can basically be like a North Star guiding how they decide to behave. So I'll give you an example of this. So let's just say your principle is to um, uh, move fast and break things, which is one of the principles at Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg believed, let's do things fast as possible and we're gonna break things in the process of innovating and moving quickly uh, but that's okay because we can go back and kind of uh, extinguish these little fires, but the speed in which we grow will be more than enough to make up for the little fires that are coming along the way, which is one of the principles of blitzscaling a company. And one of the things that Reid Hoffman talks about in the book, Blitzscaling, is how you know certain fires are burning within your company as you grow and you have to pick and choose your battles and you have to neglect some fires for the sake of growth, right? So let's just say your principle is move fast and break things. Then the behavior that you might write is when faced with a, with a situation, choose to do the thing fast instead of do the thing perfect. That'd be an example of a behavior. And you could probably get that even more specific. And you would have these lists of behaviors and you would teach your behaviors to your team members. You would have them as part of their training process when they first join your company because this is the other thing great companies do is they build training processes. And even if you're a small company, you can still do this. You can still use 
Kajabi or Teachable, which is a e-learning platform that you can build yourself. And it's pretty simple. Record your own videos and teach your team members on this training program. That's a week or two weeks. If you're a small company, and it might be longer if you're a bigger company. And have one of the things you teach be what your behaviors are. And you get your employees to memorize these behaviors and have a list of them. And you drill these in the meetings so that when employees are sitting down and they're trying to decide what to do without someone telling them, and they're faced with this situation, they can think of the behavior and say, okay, instead of me trying to do this perfectly, let me try to do this quickly and launch this. So that might be the behavior that now the employee has drilled in their head and helps them, helps guide them throughout the process of being in your company. Now, choosing the right people is really important for this because not everyone has the judgment or the intelligence or the skills to look at a principle and be able to do it the right way. Like for example, someone might launch someone something imperfectly and it might be so imperfect that it was just completely wrong, right? So that's where choosing the right people becomes the most important part of this. One of Netflix's philosophies is Netflix pretty much does not manage their people. They tell, they tell their people they can have unlimited vacation time, that they can uh, spend money on anything so long as it improves Netflix without asking for permission first, unless it's like a massive thing. And basically their employees are given almost complete freedom. And the reason why they're able to do this is first of all, they're a streaming platform, which you know might make sense for them, might not make sense for another company that's like a manufacturing, for example. But then also, uh, they hire the very best people. And they interview hundreds of people before they hire someone, which is another thing the biggest companies do. Google has a lower acceptance rate for new employees than Harvard does. And if you look across the board, all these big companies have very high standards for who they hire. And as a small company, there's no reason you can't do the same. There's no reason you can't hire someone who went to Harvard. Like for example, we just hired a girl who was the, um, who was a president of uh, a South America Facebook uh, the, uh, company, one of the companies under the Meta umbrella, who also went to Harvard. And we were able to hire this person because we have a compelling mission. But the point is, you want to try to find and create your criteria for the best people. You create the criteria, then you find them. And we use tools like Upwork and Indeed to hire people. And our strategy for hiring is to hire discount geniuses. We hire people who are geniuses who would get paid three or four times the amount they're paid by us if they lived in the United States. Yet because we hire this genius who lives in a different country, and that country has a lower cost of living, we're able to hire people for a much lower rate. Like for example, our average developer costs $4,000 a month. And we have PhDs who worked at NVIDIA and Microsoft at this rate. 
that are working 12 hour days because they're extremely motivated for our mission and they also live in Serbia where the cost of living is lower and if you're making $4,000 a month, you're essentially making like 10K a month or something. Like it's that equivalent in Serbia. You're, you're like upper middle class in Serbia if that's how much money you're making. So that's been our strategy and it also helps us because we have people working around the clock 24 seven. We have very diverse viewpoints which is an advantage in a company. You want, you, want, you want diversity, not for the sake of forcing it, but for the sake of getting different viewpoints and getting ideas that improves the company. And when we're also hiring people, you know, obviously intelligence is a big thing. You wanna make so you, have, you hire people with the right energy, people who when you speak to fire you up, that you get a good feeling around, you leave the conversation feeling better than you did before you got in the conversation. That's one of the criteria. People who have the, the execution ability, and this is where you can get even deeper into your, your team members. One of the things that Ray Dalio does is he gives his team members personality tests and he creates these little scorecards for his team members and, and Ray Dalio's billionaire founder of Bridgewater worth like $30 billion or something. He creates these little, uh, little trading cards basically that talk about his team members' personalities. Because one thing that you wanna figure out is who should be in what position. Because oftentimes people don't know what their strengths are. They don't know what position they're best in. Their hypothesis for what position they should be, be in is not actually the right hypothesis for what position they should be in. Now I'll give you an, an example of this in real time. So I'm not particularly sensitive. I, I you could, I could walk around without socks, with dress shoes, which I do every single day, and have blisters on my feet, and have my feet bleeding while still wearing shoes all day, dress shoes, and it does not bother me in 110 Arizona sun. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you, this is like what I do every day. And it really does not bother me because I'm not that sensitive, right? Now, my personality would not be the right one for a ballerina or an artist or a designer. Now, the most sensitive person on my team is our UI UX designer. They're super, super, super detail-oriented. They, they pick out every little imperfection of something, and they're very perfectionist. And guess what? That is probably the personality you want of a designer. But if you didn't realize that this person's personality is what makes them good at what they do or great at what they do in her case, then you would say, okay, well, that's not the personality that I want on my team. You're going to want to hire people who are like you. When in reality, you should be asking yourself, what personality or strengths should the person in this position have? So for this girl who's very sensitive, very detail-oriented, picks out every little thing, every little imperfection, that is what you want for a designer. Because in order to have the eye that she has, she has to be very, very particular. She has to take her time and she has to be a perfectionist and she has to be like very sensitive about things. Sensitive about how you talk to them. Sensitive 
about what's happening in their environment because that sensitivity, that, that amplified sense is what gives them the superpower of being able to design things the way they do. And you hear these stories about Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs would be crying in meetings or he would be like throwing a hissy fit like if someone didn't give him his way or like he would get in an argument with someone and someone would say something harsh to him and he just would like scream at them. Like Steve Jobs was very emotional and, and sporadic, at least in the stories told about him. But guess what? That gave him, that sensitivity gave him the ability to feel out great products. That's what people don't realize when they hear these stories. That same thing is that person's superpower. People who are very sensitive are great designers. They're great at feeling things and, and designing experiences for people because they feel how other people would feel throughout the process of things. And that's just one deep example of hiring someone who isn't like you for the right position for them. And you could take the same thing and ask yourself, what is the ideal person for a sales position? And this is where learning becomes really important because you might say, well, a sales person should be someone who talks a lot, who's a great talker. But then you go to realize that the best salespeople are great listeners. They're great at asking questions. And then they're clear and great speakers when it comes time to pitch, but they spend most of the time asking questions. That's what a great salesperson is. They're great listeners. But you, if you didn't have the uh, understanding of that position, you might not you know, uh, you might not realize that and then hire the wrong person for that position, which is why, especially at the beginning, when you're in a startup, hiring leaders with experience in different areas becomes really important. I hired this girl from Harvard because I, not just because she's good as an individual, but because I see potential for her to have a team of other people under her because she has experience doing that. The other thing as well is there's some positions where what you should do is design processes for them. And by designing processes, you can get your cost very, very low and get your results consistently. Like for example, I hired my younger brother to be a partnership manager for, for our company. He has no experience in sales, no, barely any job experience, but I designed a good enough template for the messages we send to land partnerships that he's landing partnerships left and right using the process that I designed because the process made it so easy for someone to get the result that we didn't need someone who has a lot of experience and a lot of talent in that position. Now, I can keep going, uh, but I hope you learned something from this. I'm throwing a lot of just brain dump on you. I hope you found this to be valuable. Let me know if you would like me to talk about this more. You can message me on Instagram at suited, S-U-I-T-E-D. Let me know your feedback there. You can DM me with some suggestions, happy to take them. And then also download my crypto scam blocker, blockum.io. If you are in the Web3 or crypto space, it's my software that protects people from scams. It's free. And uh, yeah, well, thank you for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Progressing Humanity Podcast.